Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a fresh new episode of the Turbo Button Podcast, back from cryostasis. The The news has been dead for quite a while, so we went into hibernation for a month, I guess, pretty much. Just kidding. Things got really busy, and also, news was dead. So, we're finally back. That's all that matters. Um, here is my co-host, Christopher DeLeon. Zach, it's been so long since I heard your voice. It, uh, I know. It's been so long since I heard your voice, too. Hardly remember it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. In fact, it's been so long, I forgot to introduce myself before introducing you. So, I'm Zachary Hart, and uh, we're going to get this episode started for what we've been playing for the past month. Um... I think I got a pretty good idea on what Chris has been playing for the past month, mainly because I've been playing with him a lot <laughs> for the past month in this game. So take it away, Chris. What have you uh, what have you been playing a lot of? I've been playing way too much Grand Theft Auto Online. That's <laughs> what I've been playing pretty much exclusively for the last, yeah, for the last month. Yeah, That's I, I good. went back actually and played a little bit. Of uh, Hotline Miami, I play. I beat Hotline Miami again. Uh, delved into the second one. Uh, I'm about halfway through now, but otherwise, I think yeah, I've just been exclusively playing uh, GTA Online. Hmm. What keeps you coming back to GTA Online? Um. Oh God, that's a really good question. I. It, it's odd because GTA Online is not like an an MMO in a traditional sense. Um, it's it's a massively multiplayer online game, but I don't know when I when I think of an MMO, let's like let's say World of Warcraft for example, or, or any MMO of that ilk. Um, whenever like a new story expansion or something comes out, there's like a lot of stuff to do. And yes, there's grinding, uh, but there's there's such a large variety of things to do. They like give you a new map or something like that, that you're not, you may not ever feel like you're grinding and you may not ever really have to grind. You can go through the story content and then pretty much be ready uh, for like the big raids and stuff at the end um, after that. But with GTA Online, it's it's literally just all about grinding. Like, it's the same map, it's as as in GTA V, which is really nice. It's actually very creative how they're able to cram all this stuff into a relatively small space. Again, in comparison to something like World of Warcraft, but it's it's it gets really repetitive. But for some reason, I keep playing it. I keep it's it's so weird because. I guess ultimately it's all about like that instant gratification of like being able to see your like money counter go up and then being able to see like the cool expensive stuff that's just out of reach but like not quite if you put in like another 10 hours or something like that. I don't know. It's it's so weird, but that's pretty much what I've been playing. I've been enjoying it a lot. I GTA 5 is not the best shooter, but I enjoy the shooting, I enjoy the racing, I enjoy just I, I enjoy it. it. Rockstar is a very good job, does a very good job of really polishing 
their work and it that comes across at least in my opinion if only it just wasn't so grindy uh i would probably play it forever yeah i i agree with those sentiments pretty much exactly um it's weird because i i've been playing a lot of gta 5 too um and I don't, I don't necessarily know why I keep coming back to it, but most of it is usually just because I feel like every time I hop on, there's something different going on. And what I am usually mean by that is, like, um, they're just, like, when you have different people in the lobby, different things can happen, albeit a lot of the times that I am in a public lobby, usually a hacker is there <laughs> just spawning things <laughs> right, yeah. in. Um, and I'm always, whenever a hacker pops in, I'm always like, hey, can you spawn a bunch of money on my character, please? <laughs> That'll be great. Um, but also, it's just like... And then like, they there's... explode you, like, immediately when they're halfway across the map. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think the least yeah. favorite thing that's happened to me within the month that I've been playing is someone made infinite explosions happen just over and over again, but yeah. they didn't do damage, but they did knockback. So I was just flying up in the air over and over and over again. <laughs> and everybody oh, was wow. doing that <laughs> at the same time on the map. And everyone was like, can you just do something useful like spawn money <laughs> or something? Um, but I guess what I... Something I really enjoy about GTA 5 and GTA Online is that, like you said earlier, they do a really good job of cramming so many... So many things, and also since it takes place in sort of like a, a parody of Los Angeles and the California SoCal area, there's just a ton of places where I like drive around in, and I'm like, hey, I know what I know what this place is based off of, or they're like literal mm-hmm. carbon copies of places like Venice Beach, like literally has an analog <laughs> of or like a copy of that area within the game. And also just the little touches of things that just messing around with AI and for me is something that I enjoy doing when I'm not grinding, just like hearing into the conversations that people have and stuff like that. And also just like driving around. Um, I do have to say um, I've been doing a lot of the import export missions, uh, most mostly through uh, my friend and through Chris, because um, I enjoy driving a lot in that game. Uh, the new expansion actually just came out uh, today, as of recording this episode, um, and it's mainly focused on flying it. I haven't done any sort of the missions yet, but Chris, have you done those missions for Yeah, I set up a hangar. I set up a, a plane hangar. Um, I have mine set up in the, um, the uh, military base. So you can, I have access to it now. I can just like drive in and they're like, yep, come on in. Don't mess stuff up, you know. Um, and I'm like, cool. So I drive in and then, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because people have been wanting a place to store their planes for a while, not just like call Pegasus and then be like, yeah, can I please have my plane for $200? Um, which is, isn't a lot at all, but, um, it's just people want a place to show off their planes in the same way they have a place to show off their cars with the garages. And that makes sense. Um, so now you have a hangar to do that. Um, you can call a Pegasus plane in and then sort of drive it into your hangar. And then it becomes, it's the same thing as one of your cars. It becomes a personal vehicle that you can just, uh, 
make a few clicks and then it spawns there right there next to you. Um, the actual missions themselves, unlike the import-export missions or the biker missions or the gun running mission, like those, all those expansions came with their own missions that like, um, they, they, they all came with exclusive vehicles, right? The import-export usually come, uh, came with a bunch of specialty vehicles that you hold in your vehicle warehouse. <clears throat> Excuse me. And those are the trucks with like the cones on them that like make cars fly off or there's a recreation of a kit from Knight Rider that has missiles on it and like jumps and things like that uh, for the import export. And there are unique bikes from the biker missions. And then there's uh, the big mobile command center for gun running and things like that. All of those unique vehicles you can buy for a high price um, online uh, in the in the fictional Grand Theft Auto version of the internet, or you can do these special missions with other players, and then you get a discount off of them. It's usually ten to twenty percent off. Um, still very expensive. They're a couple million dollars typically each. Um, but in the newest expansion in uh, Smuggler's Run is what it's called. Uh, there are no, there are none of those missions. It's just uh, you you unlock those uh, discounts through completing uh, import missions. And the way that the standard import missions work is like in the import export. Uh, it's it's sort of a combination of import export and the biker or gun running missions where you have to uh, usually fly or drive over to a uh, to a uh, a uh, excuse me a plane that uh, you can sort of pick up uh, there's one mission that I failed terribly at because I'm really bad at flying is that uh, you're supposed to like impress some like foreign dignitary or something like that whose daughter is like having a birthday and you're supposed to be doing all these aerial stunts right you're supposed to be driving underneath uh bridges and you're supposed to be driving or flying between buildings and things like that and there's like a, a meter that goes up when you accomplish these stunts um and then once you fill that up uh he's supposed to tell you the location of like these supplies that you're picking up and then you pick up the supplies you bring them back to your hangar and then you accumulate them over time and then you sell them off in bulk basically and you get like you know a million dollars or whatever it is that that happens and then rinse and repeat basically but so uh, fat stacks yeah exactly um <sighs> it's it's fun the 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 new planes if i were really if i were good at flying would like they excite me just looking at them but if i were good at flying i would be even more excited i managed to unlock i think only through doing like two or three missions it's it's a um it's it's basically a like big glider it's a it's a glider with like a jet with like a little uh propeller on the back <laughs> so so you're 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 in this like you're in this like little it's like a little putt putt motor basically and it like oh drives off it, it it takes a it takes a while but it you you uh, have a big glider 
uh, like a hang glider and you can like fly through the air just really slowly it's <laughs> and then you can you can upgrade it so it has this huge machine gun on the front <laughs> for, for no reason and it's just it's really funny I love it but, when they uh, release, like, useless, not useless vehicles, but hugely impractical vehicles, and it's probably just mm-hmm. in there for some stupid reason to be funny or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that. But, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much been my experience so far with Smuggler's Run. I wish I was good at flying. Hopefully after, hopefully we got time after recording this, because I want to try that out now. <laughs> now that I've hear, heard about this. Um, for me, I've been playing GTA, like I said earlier. Um, I've been playing a little bit more Fire Emblem Echoes. I'm getting more more and more into the game, getting more units, uh, advancing some of the classes of that. Um, a, lot of my, a lot of my opinions have not really changed uh, regarding Fire Emblem Echoes. Fire Emblem Echoes is a fantastic game. Uh I'm still constantly amazed on kind of how far they push the 3DS to its limits. Um, but I'm pretty sure once the new Metroid game for the 3DS comes out, I'll probably eat my words because they probably have done a lot of magical sorcery with all the hardware um, <laughs> and all that stuff mm. for that game. Um, one thing that I have bought uh, and played a lot since the last podcast was PUBG. Um Tyler from the previous podcast is a huge fan of PUBG. Uh, he's been he's he's sung its praises, and I watched a little bit of it online, and then um, I just thought, you know, uh, it's getting pretty big. It's I think it sometimes surpasses League of Legends as like the most viewed game on Twitch or the most watched mm-hmm. game on Twitch. So we've I discussed it. it on this podcast. Yeah, several times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but after playing it for myself, I can, uh, I largely agree that it is a very cool game. Um, every game is pretty different, mainly because the map is so big. Um, and when you, so basically PUBG is a, to me, it's like a Hunger Games sort of game. You jump from an airplane onto a map and you pick a place to start and then you sort of like go to a play area. But before that, you can like sort of scavenge for supplies. Um, And in this game, it's mostly focused on gunplay, not really like surviving. Like you don't have to manage a hunger meter or something like that. At least not yet. There probably will be some sort of survival mode in the future because it's an early access right now. But basically... You focus on getting guns, getting attachments, and they've re- and the time that I think we maybe maybe they did have this feature in it um, at the time we actually talked about PUBG in the last episode. But I've been mainly focusing on the uh, first person only mode because that adds a lot of competitive edge to it. Because in third person, if you think about it, you have to like. Since you can move your character, or your not your character, you can move the camera around your character without moving your character, there are a lot of things you could do where you can, like, manipulate the camera so you can peek around a corner without showing your player model. So you could know someone is there, even if you're not visible to them. 
Um, because of that, it kind of was sort of casual, and to a lot of people who played like Counter-Strike, that game was considered pretty casual up until they added the first-person-only mode. So now you can act- the only way you can actually see around cover is if you sacrifice or like sort of put at risk by showing yourself to the other player. So it's much more fair in that way, so you have to fight for angles and that sort of thing. Um, I've enjoyed playing it. I haven't won yet. Um, it's very hard. <laughs> I'm not usually very good at uh, shooters that have purely projectile-based shooting in it. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe I'll win one day. Uh, maybe I won't I won't die in, like, the top 30 players or something like that. I, I think it'll take a very, very long time for me to get to that point, though. Um, but, let's see, what else have I been playing? I finished Until Dawn, also, since the last time we've had uh the podcast and uh i i think it's a very good game even though i've known the story for the most part i've been surprised like the jump scares and like a lot of the horror i find is very tailored to you which is why i was impressed with it so much because there's these segments early on in the game where there's this therapist guy and he's like what do you think about these pictures or what do you think about these things and these things and what the game does is, based off of those responses, it sort of tailors the scary parts of the game to specifically what makes you afraid, which is what I thought was the coolest feature about that. But also just made the game way more terrifying, even though I sort of knew what was kind of going to happen in some way. Um, I was still very impressed with the fact that it was still able to scare me just because, like, it, it really kind of is like every person kind of gets a different sort of uh experience with that um i was trying to go for a no death run unfortunately i got a few of the a few of my characters died at the end of the game uh there was a move still segment and like i got two of my characters killed i think in one minute because for some reason my controller registered i was moving even though i wasn't moving and i i was kind of annoyed by that maybe the Either the controller's bad or it's too good. You know, the motion sensor maybe sense the spin of the earth or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think those that's what I've mostly been playing. I'm, I'm debating what kind of interactive narrative game I should play next. Because with PS Plus I have, I think, three... I have three of those to choose from. Right now I have tales from the borderlands the game of thrones telltale game which i heard is awful so honestly i'm probably never gonna play that um and also uh life is strange i've heard good things about that game but i also hear that they say hella a lot in that game which makes me not want to play it but <laughs> i'll probably get around to that eventually so uh that sort of i've heard oh, i've heard such mixed things about Life is Strange. I've heard people who really love it, who are just adamant it is great, great, great storytelling. And I think maybe it could... It, well, and then on the other hand, there are people that are just very critical of the, the, the dialogue in particular, which is like a 40-year-old, you know, 50-year-old trying to write young person's lingo, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've I heard that those, criticism, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think those two can be... 
separated sort of like it can still have good storytelling and be poorly written if that makes sense um i i i don't know i would i would be interested in seeing what you have to think about it so i guess there there were yeah i mean if if you if you want my vote i would be interested in seeing you play life is strange especially because uh the second the second series is coming out soon if it hasn't already yeah it is coming out pretty soon i you know what i'll I'll go on with that because i don't think tales of the borderlands is going to get another season and i'm i'm hoping that the game of thrones telltale game doesn't get another season although let's be honest they probably will just because uh game of thrones Mm. is so popular now um (laughs) so Mm. they probably will do it so i i think i'll go with life is strange next how after this i'll Maybe tonight, before I go to bed, I'll start the download on that on my PS4. And, um, yeah. It's got a little got a little homework assignment for the podcast, guys. <laughs> a little homework assignment. Um, yeah. I, that's all I've been playing. Um, I guess we can head on to our first story here. Um, so, with this was, this was kind of old news. Uh, I wrote this down a while ago, and... Uh, but today it was finally released onto the live servers. Um, this is part of our Overwatch segment. Uh, just kidding. We don't have an Overwatch segment. Um, there's a different reason why I wanted to talk about this. But Overwatch has released a highly requested mode uh, into their game. It's free-for-all deathmatch and team deathmatch modes have been added into the arcade. Um, and the main reason I wanted to talk about this was because originally people have asked several times to the Overwatch team... Like, can you add a free-for-all deathmatch mode in? Can you add a team deathmatch mode in? And they didn't want to do it because this is sort of like an objective-based first-person shooter. Um, But I guess over the course of the year, they sort of transitioned from being like, no, we'll never do that, into like just sort of branching out and trying out new things internally and really just listening to the community more. And that's why I wanted to talk about it, because um, I've heard, I mean, I have a few friends that play, like, WoW and stuff like that, and it seems like this is kind of like, at least to my understanding, it seems like the first time that Blizzard has really kind of taken, like, this, we were listening to the fans when it comes to actual features that we add into the thing. Maybe... I'm probably being way too hard on Blizzard right now, to be honest, with the way I phrased that statement. But I thought it was really cool that, you know, they kind of thought about this idea that has bounced around a lot in the community. And they're like, you know, we can try try doing that mode. And actually, it's it's pretty popular right now. Although, since I, I think there's some balance issues that probably need to be ironed out about the free-for-all mode and stuff like that. But I guess uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that, Chris, about... Um, it seems like like how devs sort of like have this give and take with like the community and stuff like that and how they've become i guess through uh, i don't really know how to describe it it seems like they're just being more receptive towards each other i guess for lack of better words on my part on that yeah um it's no it's always 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 a good thing to get feedback from your consumers because ideally, when you listen to your consumers, they're going to be, you're, it's not only going to result in more money for you as a company, but hopefully it results in a better product. Yeah. Um, and Blizzard has been really good about 
hearing people out, especially the Overwatch team, um, about hearing hearing people, especially when it comes to, from what I understand, because I don't, again, I don't play Overwatch anymore, infamously, um, but especially when it comes to balance issues, uh, which actually reminds me of the Mercy rework that just happened. Yes. But, uh, but it's, it's, I don't know how often a, like an entirely new game mode happens in a big game from a big company like Blizzard outside of a sequel. Um, I, I, if this, if, if EA, you know, did this, they would be doing, they would be releasing Battlefront 2, right? With the improved version. <laughs> yeah. Right? With the, with the things that people wanted. Whereas Overwatch is the one product and Blizzard is actively seeking to improve that one product, improve the quality of that very, very popular, very, um, sought after product, very well liked product. So it's really cool. It goes a little bit back to last month, or maybe it was the, the podcast before that where, um, different, uh, petitions have been successful, um, with, with companies and things like that to, uh, return to doing different things, uh, or replace, uh, certain features or things like that. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see, especially how Blizzard takes this, especially in, in uh, response to, and this is old news now, but in response to stuff like Nostalrius, um, and what yeah. what people will start thinking about Blizzard regarding that, um, I I'm interested to see if people will, or rather, Blizzard will finally re-release Diablo 2. <laughs> uh, that's for, that's, that's for me personally. But, uh, re-release of Diablo 2 has been something everyone has been clamoring for. Any, any Diablo fan has been clamoring for. Um, I don't know for certain, but I, this is my question to you, Zach, is that, is there, because, Overwatch's maps are centered around the objective, right? Usually mm-hmm. uh, a, a point or a, a payload that has to be moved, uh, which does not necessarily... Uh, they're not built for deathmatches, basically. Do they have right. a new map for, for deathmatch modes? They're using the same maps? How's that, how's that work? So right now, there's for free-for-all deathmatch, there's one new map. And it's I it's it's some French thing to be honest. I if I say it, it's gonna sound awful. <laughs> so it's Widowmaker's Manor um, before she left it. So that's the free for all map. But what they've done is, um, if you think about it, a lot of the maps. I don't know if like the Control Point or King of the Hill maps are actually part of the. Um, are part of this uh, team deathmatch mode, but I've from what I've played of it, basically, they take parts of payload maps and they make section. They get a specific section of it and then they make that into the team deathmatch area. So I don't remember, or I don't know if you remember in Dorado, there's in the first checkpoint area. It's pretty, for lack of a better word, it's pretty cramped and it's more defense centric. So there's lots of high vantage points for people on the defensive team to like look down on people 
that sort of thing to get controls of angles. But in the second part, it's like after you bypass the Fiesta area where all the pinatas are, uh, you go through this gate and then it goes into the power plant. There's like this road that leads to the power plant. There's some buildings there and stuff like that. So in the Dorado map, that specific section where it's after the Fiesta part, but before the power plant, that whole area is where the free for all is. So it's like they section specific areas off. And I think they probably go through um, everything like they go through all the maps where they see what kind of team fights can happen or you know what I'm saying. And I actually mm-hmm. really enjoyed this because in Overwatch in particular in the a lot of the maps, I feel like there's a lot of parts of the map that are not not nearly as um, hot or not nearly don't nearly see enough play in them because like you're trying to defend the payload. There's no need for you to branch out too far from it. That sort of thing. Um, so having it so that you can explore all these new areas, it actually kind of, it's kind of a win-win, at least for me, because I get to see things that I haven't necessarily seen before. And I get to learn about new map angles that might come in handy in the main game modes and stuff like that. Um, also, it gives me a uh, the free-for-all mode overall gives you a really safe area to practice heroes in. Um, it, I find it actually not as salty um, as the team-based modes either, because it's just you. If you mess up, it's your fault. You know? It's that <laughs> right. sort of thing. Um, although, right now, I, I do have some... It might just be me needing to rethink about how I play Overwatch when it comes to free-for-all. So... How it works is like, in free-for-all specifically, first person to 20 kills wins the game. If you're in the top four, it gets counted as a win in terms of loot boxes, because, you know, in the arcade mode now... Actually, I don't know if you know this, but in the arcade mode now, every week you can get three free loot boxes. So every three games, or every three wins, you get a loot box. But you can only do that three times to get three loot boxes per week. So... What they do in free-for-all is if you're in the top four, you that gets counted as a win towards the loot boxes, even though it wasn't really a win. Because to win the game, you have to win with the most kills. Right. And to get a kill, a kill is defined as last hitting an enemy. So what people have been doing is they play a hero, they play Symmetra, and like they wait for someone to have low health, and then they just swoop in and kill them. <laughs> And then they get the kill counted towards them because they did the last hit, at least as to what the game sees and stuff. It's mainly just you having to kind of retool your brain into thinking about uh, Overwatch and stuff. Because they always say you eliminated something, but that doesn't contribute to your score in a team deathmatch or just normal deathmatch. So I actually, I, I, I know this probably won't get you back into Overwatch. I think it would be worth it would be worth it for you to try and download and try the free-for-all mode since uh, since it's not really team-reliant. It's purely based on your own skill. I actually... There's rumors going around, I think, that they might be adding a competitive mode purely for free-for-all um, just so that people who want to focus on their own individual thing and not really focus on the team thing can do a free-for-all competitive and ranked sort of thing. So... Yeah, no, that will not get me back into Overwatch. <laughs> well, it's always worth a try. No, um, no. 
I guess so. But uh, I I still no. think it's honestly worth it. Like it's so different that it like the only person you can be salty with is yourself, not <laughs> not something outside of your control. Unless you just want a Zen game, in which case, um, actually, I consider free for all to be pretty Zen. But that's besides the point. I wanted to go back and touch upon the the team thing uh, that you were talking about earlier about sure. you were talking about Nostarius, and so um, just a. One thing I wanted to add is Blizzard's company is divided into teams, and every team kind of has their own culture and stuff like that. Um, from what I understand, I, I do know a few people who work on various teams of the dev, like different teams of it. So I know someone who works in the WoW team. I actually know like two people who work on the WoW team. I know someone who works on the Diablo team, and I know a number of people who work on the Overwatch team. And... Uh, I, I can confirm, <laughs> I can't really say I can confirm because I don't work there, but um, at least from the outside looking in, it seems like there's very different sort of uh, structures when it comes to, or like, I guess cultures is a better word for it. Overwatch is a super friendly culture and like, they they really do listen to their fan base a lot, whereas the WoW team in particular... Uh, their fans sort of see them as sort of kind of elitist, I guess, for lack of a better word, and not very open-minded towards their community because um, what you, the most frequent suggestion that they get at like BlizzCon and stuff, or maybe this isn't as frequent anymore around since Nistarius came, that incident happened. Um, but there was be some guy that would come up and be like, "Hey, can you uh, put private server? Can you put servers up for all the expansions as they were back then?" And then they would be like, "No, you know you don't want. You may not know it, but we know that you don't want that." And like the way they would phrase things is sort of like um, with a bit of arrogance to it. Um, personally, the people who I know personally don't really fit into that. They are always listening to the players and stuff like that. But at least. From the outside looking in, like, the community consensus is, like, every team has some sort of a different culture to it. So, the fact that they would kind of put in this new game mode as per fan request doesn't seem too outside too outside of the ordinary, um, especially with the Overwatch team. Because they've always been, like, listening pretty... What, what's the word for that? I've been paying a lot of attention to what the fans have been asking for, I guess, is... What I'm trying to say. Um, that's all I have to say about that whole thing. Do, do you got anything else, or do you want to move on to a? I I guess is a mega. Yeah, a mega let's move on. <laughs> Okay, so this one's a this one's a doozy. <laughs> this next segment is probably there's all these stories that sort of encompass all of each other. Um, so Valve announced their newest game. At, I think this was at the Dota International, and it's called Artifact, and it's funny because if you actually watch the video <laughs> when they're re- revealing this game, it says Artifact, you hear cheers, and then it says a Dota card game, and then you can hear people going boo! <laughs> you can hear people cheering I, I was not in the aware background. of that. That's really funny. <laughs> Or you can hear people going like, oh, <laughs> and stuff like that. This has gotten huge negative reception on the internet. Um, and it's sort of only fueled this fire afterwards. So I guess let's just talk about Artifact. A lot of people were really upset about this announcement because 
uh, Valve, for a lot of people, Valve used to be about, like, coming up with these innovative ways to make games. Like, when Half-Life came out, or Half-Life 2 came out, it was sort of like this innovative first-person storytelling masterpiece of the time, where you can carry a story without the protagonist saying a single word, the story unfolds right before your eyes, that sort of thing. And then when Portal comes out, their next game after that, it's like, oh man, it's a mind-bending puzzle game where it's first person and you're using the space in a way that you never really would have thought of. And then Left 4 Dead would come out, it's like, oh, it's this awesome PvE zombie game and stuff like that. It seems, but now it honestly, for a lot of people, they feel like Valve has sort of turned into like a, they follow where the money goes now. Like, um, competitive shooters or MOBAs, and now with (laughs) card games. So they were not happy with it because when people thought about what new game they would want, uh, Valve to release, they always go to, like, the classic Half-Life 2 Episode 3, or they go and talk about, uh, Left 4 Dead 3 would be really cool, Portal, Portal 3, some, something, you know, Something along those lines. And when they saw, like, oh, it's another, it's another gosh darn digital card game, <laughs> they it, people got really upset about that. Um, that's kind of my take into it. Uh, it. Can you, do you kind of, like, do you have anything to add, like, to that, Chris, like, about Valve and stuff like that? Honestly, it, it... <laughs> What's funny what's funny is that we just finished talking about Blizzard and I think a lot of what you just said could apply to Blizzard. Like they the thing is that their games revolutionize their their respective genres and they their most three most recent games have done exactly what you said, follow where the money goes, and they have a MOBA, they have a card game, they have a shooter. Uh, they right. have a competitive shooter. The 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 difference here, I think, is that Blizzard has a knack for when it comes for for, for one continuing their respective franchises yes <laughs> um i mean diablo 2 has had diablo 3 there's starcraft 2 was a huge thing when it came out and continued to be a huge thing in, in its you know its next two expansions world of warcraft still gets you know still gets its expansions and they're still i want to say relatively big but they still may be huge in comparison to other MMOs, whenever a new storyline expansion comes out for World of Warcraft. As opposed to Valve, who has, yeah, turned... Turn- the thing is, Valve... I. What's frustrating about Valve is not just that they're not continuing their franchises, they're not continuing Half-Life, they're not continuing uh, Left 4 Dead, they're not continuing Portal... Um, it's it's that they they like it's that they 
owns Steam, right? And Steam cranks out money. Like, it cranks out huge money for Valve. And they've become a, a service first. They, Valve is synonymous with Steam. Uh, in, in, if you want to get sort of, not, this is, this isn't necessarily true what I'm about to say, but it's how I feel and it's probably how a lot of people feel without having expressed it this way is that Steam is a bigger thing than Valve is. Yeah. And because, because, because Steam is so important, Valve is no longer seen as a developer. It's seen as a service because of Steam. Where, again, going back to Blizzard, whereas Blizzard has always been a developer rather than a service. So to have these highly anticipated franchises left in the dust not in a blizzard way not in a we're gonna take 10 years trust us it's gonna we're gonna come out with a good game for you guys not in that way but in in a very i don't know like i don't know how popular dota 2 was when it came out i don't know how it was received when it came out if if it was seen as a a money maker or a money grab or if it was seen as another hotly highly anticipated valve product or anything like that but it's it is disappointing to see valve make a card game and not just uh, do you, I, it's it's interesting i was just i was just about to say not just a card game not just an original card game, it's a card game based on something that's already very lucrative anyway, but I caught myself there because, again, Blizzard did the exact same thing, and other companies are doing the exact same thing um, now, where they're they're basing, like, Blizzard has Hearthstone, which is, of course is based on Warcraft, and uh, there's Elder Scrolls card game, whatever that's called, based on Elder Scrolls, and etc, etc. But, I, I, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's, I understand it's a bit frustrating. I, the thing is, for me personally, I'm so put out by Valve as a developer that I, I just don't, this doesn't surprise me. And I'm so cynical about where Valve is outside of its Steam service that, and I, I just don't, I just don't care. I'm kind of defeated. Yeah, personally. I, I get what you're saying. I I think it's interesting that you mentioned Blizzard a lot, because Blizzard, I remember when Overwatch was first announced, people were like, man, that's just a TF2 ripoff, or, <laughs> or something like mm. that. I think something that distinguishes Blizzard, though, is when they make something, there's, they, there's the term Blizzard polish for a reason. They put a ton of effort in putting like a awesome fresh coat of paint on it but also they kind of i think one thing that i really enjoy about blizzard games is that they take the parts that you loved about a specific genre and kind of like at least for the most part try to wipe away some of the stuff that isn't that fun with um i think of hots or heroes of the storm 
Um, that's the only MOBA that I play now because I've tried <laughs> I've tried Dota and I've tried League of Legends, and both of those games every time I play it make me want to kill myself <laughs> every single time I play those games. Um, Heroes I might get mildly frustrated. I still have a blast playing it just because like the characters and the way things feel in Heroes of the Storm feels so different, and it seems like there's a much bigger focus on like fun within those games um like in heroes of the storm i personally think that um i'm not sure if this is actually how they build it chris you might actually be able to attest um to this more than i can i feel like what makes heroes so fun is that every character that you can play as is op but it's op in a very oddly specific way that nothing is op like, they excel really well at some sort of specific playstyle. Um, I don't know if you can... Is, is that... <laughs> I don't know if that prognosis is correct. I, I, That's just I, how it feels for me. I'm not sure quite about that. I, unfortunately, have played too much Heroes of the Storm. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure if I would say that. There's definitely... there There's definite situations where you should be... Uh, where some heroes are... are better than others that's just part of part of a meta and part of being a balanced or more or less balanced game i i yeah well w- with me with me heroes of the storm is all about it's playtime like i can have a bad game but it's only a 20 minute game i can have a good game yeah and i'll be like it, i had so much fun i'm glad it was 20 minutes of a really good game Whereas something like Dota or League is an hour. And if you're having a good Dota or League game, it's like, okay, like I'm doing this where, you know, we're beating them, you know, I, I, I need to concentrate, you know, I need to continue concentrating. I need to continue sort of grinding out until we've won. Or if you're having a really bad Dota or League game, it's like, why am I playing this for an hour? Please surrender. And then your, your, you know, rando people on your team will like be like, no, never surrender. And like all this stuff. So hence why I said that game makes me want to kill myself every time I play that game. (laughs) So yeah, for, for, for me, it is about the uniqueness of the characters. It's about the, the, uh, very short rounds. Um, yeah. Yeah. I and I guess going back to Blizzard again, I, I it feels like just chatting with people who work there, I guess what I was trying to say was they really focus on the fun aspect of it. And I'm I'm not saying that um there are game devs that don't do what Blizzard does, but I I think the 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 word Blizzard polish kind of exists for a reason. They they put I Whenever I play their games, I sense a lot of love coming out of this, like uh, coming out of the game, like lots of love, blood, sweat and tears that have been poured into this game that they don't do it because they have to, but they do it because, you know, they love it. I mean, obviously they have to make the games, but you you know what I'm saying? There is a ton of passion put into it. Um, With Artifact, though, I I don't feel that (laughs) at all. It, that's 
that's kind of why I kind of, that's why I feel for it. Like, for a lot of people, Valve used to mean something. Like, Valve used to mean more than just Steam, than Dota. It used to mean, like, people who, like, were pioneers, essentially, for different kinds of things. And now it's like, Valve is the shadow of its former self. And now the, there's this infamous Reddit post by Gabe Newell where it's like, money sells money or something like that. I don't ex- I don't remember exactly what it was, but essentially mm-hmm. he was saying, like, you need to follow the money to make money or something like that, and people will play it. Um, uh, um, but basically, expanding into this, after this artifact leak, or not artifact leak, sorry, jump of the gun here, I'm sorry. Uh, after this artifact announcement, um, Half-Life 2's lead writer, or former lead writer, he doesn't work at the company anymore, um, he released uh, a letter, um, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but within that letter, he vaguely, he told the plot it's like the plot of Half-Life 2 Episode 3, but obviously with like the names of the characters changed and stuff like that. But you could tell that it was, that's what it was. Um, and the writer specifically mentioned a lot of times how um, he writes a lot about how he wanted Half-Life 2 Episode 3 to sort of end how Half-Life 1 ended, where it's left he ties up all the loose ends of all the characters that you meet there um, where he sort of leaves it open he puts Gordon Freeman on hold again where um, there's this really interesting interaction in that thing with uh, Alex and the G-Man in there Um, and then he talks about how he basically wanted it to be left open for you know the next generation whenever Gordon Freeman needed to be called again that's where it would be picked up and stuff like that um so after that was leaked people were data mining i guess the valve engine or something like that and then they found all these really interesting mechanics that were in being tested for half-life episode half-life 2 episode 3 um like resource gathering they're um uh, actually i want to pause for a second here um chris have you you've have you, have you pl- <laughs> God, I can't speak today. This is what happens when you stop podcasting for a month. <laughs> you can't, you can't speak <laughs> yeah, anymore. That's exactly um, it. Yeah. Little side note: it's <laughs> it's the it's that it's that cryostasis that we've it's, been in. It's dried up our vocal throat, our vocal or the frontal uh, cortex where the speech processing yeah. is uh, done. <laughs> right. Yeah. There you go. Um, have you played Half Life Two? I have played the original Half-Life. I have played Half-Life 2. I have played Half-Life 2 Episode 1. I have not okay. played Half-Life 2 Episode um, 2. At least you played it. So that's, I guess, all that I wanted to ask. Um, Hot take, real quick. Did not like Half-Life 2. I, Hot take. I think it's it was good for its time. I do tend to think that Half-Life 2 tends to... What what's a what's a way to say this? I think it's has a lot of rose tinted nostalgia that comes with it. I I think I enjoyed Portal more than Half Life Two to be mm. honest. Yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. Um, but but basically, uh, going back to it, so you know, Dog, the character, the little robot. 
there's yes. a whole mechanic that yes, they yes, have yes. that they were testing in the test files for episode three where you can upgrade dog like throughout the game is you would travel with dog and you would upgrade him you could there was a whole resource gathering thing where when you destroyed items you would get like three different kinds of materials and then you can use those materials to create upgrades for a dog that would carry out benefits in game and stuff like that it seems like for the most part they were going for like dog it's you and dog going on an adventure or something like that those are just mechanics that have been uh-huh. uh, sort of um whatchamacallit those are mechanics that were tested and um in the in light of all these leaks um this just i found out about this today actually and i hopped on to confirm it um in the wake of this people have been swarming onto dota 2 steam page to leave a bad review and they're blaming dota 2 for the death of half-life they say half-life 3 i want uh here mini rant here it's not Half-Life 3. It's Half-Life 2 Episode 3. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's my mini rant. It's They're saying, like, Half-Life 3 died for this. Died for Dota or something like that. Although, I found a way more amusing post that I shared with uh, Chris where it said, Please don't waste your life on this game and don't make the mistake of playing it. I wasted too much time on this game. And if you look at his... Uh, game time he played that game for 3,000 hours his entire day, so I thought that was pretty funny to be honest um, but yeah it seems like Valve has just just over the past month has just had like bad hit after hit after hit on them and people are wondering like will this make them release Half-Life 2 Episode 3 and uh, personally I hope they don't um Looking at how they wrap things up in the story, it's really, at least from the former lead writer, it was really good. And just to confirm, if that's not saying like if Half-Life 2 Episode 3 was released, it's going to have this story. This was the last he saw it, sort of, that's where he had like several versions of Half-Life 2 Episode 3 story like written out. And that was, in his opinion, his best one that he wrote. Um... So, what do you? Th- I guess my question is, what do you think Valve will take from this uh, next time they decide to release <laughs> something? I guess I don't know because for me it seems like I don't. I know Valve for sure. I, this is not like me saying like Valve is dying. They're not gonna die. Steam makes too much money. Um, but <laughs> I guess what I mean is like. I think Valve has something to take away from this, but I can't quite pin down like what it is or something like that. Maybe treat their franchises that are actually created with reverence. I, I have no idea. What are your, what are your uh, thoughts on this? I don't think I, I, to be honest, I don't think Valve is going to take away anything from this. I think they're making just too much money to care. Yeah. I don't th- I honestly think they don't care. Yeah, they don't care about um, this. <laughs> I think they're just going to do what they do. I think the Dota card game, whatever it's called, Artifact or whatever, uh, is going to be wildly successful. Uh, I think it's going to make them a lot of money. Um, and Valve is going to be laughing itself to the bank. It's... <sighs> yep. 
I don't know. We talked about... I understand why people yeah, are sad. No. Yeah. We, we talked about Blizzard being very respectful of their of their uh, fan base, of their community, despite a few hiccups here and there. Like you said, it'll depend on the on the team. But uh, I don't know with 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 Valve. It's just it's just. I don't know if I want to say that it's too late for Valve because it's not too late for Valve. Like. Whenever Gabe Newell decides to step down, there could be a new president, and the new president could be like, we're making good games again. Everyone rejoice. Who knows? Where, where things are going now, it, you know, it just kind of is what it is. I do hope that Valve can sort of learn something the thing is that even with steam there are lots of issues with steam that people have that almost never get resolved i've i've been through the customer support like forum and i i think lots of people have maybe you have zach where people are like this feature would be really really helpful please do something about this and I'm like, yes, and then I look at the date of the post, and it was five years ago, and it's still not implemented. Like, <laughs> so, I, 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 don't, I honestly don't know what else to say other than Valve is very frustrating sometimes, but they, they have so many gamers, PC gamers, just sort of caught by the balls if not if not because of steam they have older gamers like you said who or were are, who were and are maybe still are really reverent of valve because of what they were able to do with their games and it's it's just a little bit of a shame yeah i i have something to add to that i remember reading on reddit uh, on the steam reddit there was some guy that wrote this post about um he wrote a post about like, man, I love the music feature on Steam, but I wish it can connect to streaming services. And then Gabe Newell responded to that Reddit post and he said, we got something that we think you'll really like coming out very soon in the next update of Steam. And I was like, and then in my head, I was like, oh, shoot, they're adding they're adding Spotify to the thing. And then I looked at the date and it was like, this post was made on 2011. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, that's it. Well, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I honestly, I think this is mostly a nostalgia fueled rampage. To be completely frank, um, but it, it doesn't. Usually, I kind of look down on those sort of things, but I really can't for this one. I mean, I think it's sad. I do think it's good that we got something from someone who worked on there, um, because now a lot of people kind of just get closure on it. They get. They and they're at least in their head. They get some sort of idea in some sort of version in some sort of hypothetical setting of Half Life Two Episode Three, how the story ends and stuff like that. And I honestly mm. think that's fine. Just uh, reading through it legally, I don't know if <laughs> what he did was a very smart move at all. But at least from a I fan think, perspective, I, th uh, I think he probably 
if I had to guess, if I were a writer and I were I was going to be like, I'm going to do this, I probably would have talked to a lawyer or something before doing it. I I'm, um, yeah, he probably did. Hopefully, I don't I don't know if Valve can seek legal action against uh what was framed as a gender swap fan fiction. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, I uh, you know it, it's it's sort of it's sort of difficult to say, but I I think he's okay. Yeah, I I think he's fine too. There was also speculation about the um, Valve like knew about this, and this was like sort of sanctioned because it's sort of like a post mortem. You know what I mean? It's sort of mm. it's like a dead project, so they're not working on it. So it was safe yeah. to like guess release that information. I I don't know if that's true or not. To be honest, though. Um. Anyway, I guess we kind of talked our thoughts about this and rolling on on the hype train of dead things. Something else is dying, and that thing that's dying is called Meverse. <laughs> it's going to. This article says in Japan. I I'm not sure if they confirmed it, but it's. It's it, me versus on its way out, folks. It's it's gonna end around November, and um, but uh, so the thing that's interesting about this though is that Meverse is actually a feature, at least on the Wii U, that has a lot of games tethered to it. So a lot of functionality for some of these games is gonna be stripped out, um, and I think it's kind of a shame. I know that Meverse has been sort of like a meme. Where you can go and find really cringy things <laughs> on in specific areas of Meverse. I remember there was an entire section of like, uh, I might be wrong about this, but I heard that there was a whole section in Meverse of like erotic fan fiction that for some reason never got removed from moderation <laughs> on Meverse. <laughs> that's amazing. If that's true, that's, that's hilarious. It's we gotta look up. There has to be a subreddit for this. I heard it's like ten year olds writing fan fiction, like Sonic fan fiction, on the viewers. <laughs> so that's, that's going so away. Good. <laughs> um, oh, I, I'm sad for Meverse closing now. <laughs> that's that's now you really can't funny. That. Yeah. Um, oh. That I I was more upset about uh, in Splatoon one. They had a Meverse feature where whenever you would post to the Meverse uh, through the Splatoon portal, I guess, of the Meverse, it would sometimes put post. It would put like get posts from the Meverse, and it would put it on the walls of the world, like in the maps as graffiti. And I was like, "That's pretty awesome." I think the funniest one I saw was there was this there was this one Splatfest in Splatoon one where it was science versus art. And everybody on t- on the science team was were just going crazy drawing pictures of Rick and Morty, just like not huh. not like fan pictures. They were legit, like really good drawings in- of Rick and Morty. And <laughs> I remember saying the wubble up a dub dub thing all over the place. It seems like right now, uh, Chris, you you have Splatoon two. I'm I'm still working on getting a Nintendo Switch, folks. I'm I'm really trying. The earliest, hopefully, that I can get one is on uh, the eighth, which is next Friday. Uh, but I need to get my stuff together <laughs> and finally 
get it. I'm still debating what bundle to get. But, um, I heard that, uh, something that popped up a lot in Splatoon 2 was Knack 2 for some weird reason. It was some mm-hmm. video game donkey meme. Um, what? But, um, other games like, uh, Super Mario Maker, you can create and share levels, but you can't comment on them anymore, which sucks, because that was a big part of the game, too. Xenoblade Chronicles X's report log feature is not going to happen anymore, which also sucks because that was the way people communicate with each other in game. That was actually a huge feature of it. So, other homework assignment. I have to finish Xenoblade Chronicles X by November. And let me tell you, Chris, I'm not going to enjoy it. Don't that. bother. No. Don't bother. <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles X is a garbage game. And I, I dare anyone who, who enjoyed it to fight me. I I heard such good things about the first Xenoblade Chronicles, so I played Xenoblade Chronicles X, and I'm like, this is like an MMO with no other players, and it's just you. I did not have fun at all in that game. It felt dead, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, also, the audio mixing in that game is horrible. Jesus Christ. Um, what else? But, there was a... There's this Mario vs. Donkey Kong game on the 3DS that you can create levels in. Because the Miiverse is gone, you, like, legit cannot... You not only cannot share levels anymore because the Miiverse is gone, but you earn, like... There's something about stars. I don't know exactly what it is. But, like, you earn stars to unlock levels in that game, and, like, because you can't play other people's levels anymore because Miiverse is gone, there there's some levels that I believe are not accessible anymore after Miiverse goes down. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I might be completely wrong on that front, but I know, like, at least star count, you're not going to be able to reach the max level at after a certain date. <clears throat> so, uh... <laughs> I'm getting a getting a little hoarse here. <clears throat> this happens when you don't podcast for a month, folks. Don't do it. Um, don't not do it. Yeah, don't not do it. Yeah, that's what that's what I meant. Thoughts on me versus <laughs> dying, and I I know your opinion now because you said it earlier you're gonna miss that a uh, good old Sonic fan fiction. Yeah, the me versus me versus. I hope on me versus um, tombstone they put one of the Sonic fan fictions. Yeah, uh, just right there, and everyone who goes up to give give a eulogy will will read one of the Sonic fan fictions or like show one of their pictures of uh, of of that they drew of Rick and Morty. Um, <laughs> it's 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 not super noteworthy necessarily that that um, Meverse is is dying. It. Like you, like you opened with, Miiverse was pretty sort of meme to begin with. Um, it was sort of a thing that, like, <clears throat> where it was one of those weird Nintendo things where people didn't really care for it. They weren't sure why it was there, but it was there. And then it turned out to be okay, like with Splatoon. Um, and then no one, like, like no one really cared at that point whether it was good or bad. It was just sort of there. And people sort of dealt with it, at like like a bunch of features Nintendo does. And then now that it's gone, it's just sort of inconvenient, and it's not, again, it's not necessary. Yeah. Um, but 
I think for me, what's notable is that Miiverse as, as a service, as a product is so young for it to be shut down. You, you know, Nintendo's trying to move away from the Wii U when I, I get that. <clears throat> um, and I believe, is this a different, well, of course, this is a different Miiverse, but the, I, the conception of Miiverse has been around since the Wii. And there was a specific Miiverse channel for like, I'm not even sure what it was for. I don't I think, think you were I ta- used it. Are you thinking about the Everybody Votes channel? No, or well, something like that. Y- that was yes, that yes, that was it. But there was a there was a channel on the on the Wii where you could like populate your like this lobby with me's that you've interacted with oh, in other games and things like that. I think that's a 3DS feature, Is but that? it was a uh, it's the Me Plaza in 3DS. Like I'm, when you street I, past no, somebody. No, no, I'm pretty sure this is on the Wii. I gotta look that anyway. up. Anyway, although to be to be honest, if it was on the Wii, it's probably dead now too. They they disconnected a ton of stuff on the Wii. No, exa- um, exactly. But the 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 point is the it's such a it's such a young product. It's like saying it's like saying. Uh, we're taking off the internet for Xbox 360. Like you won't be able to play online anymore. It's sort of it's sort of like the equivalent of that. It's it's weird, not completely unnecessary, probably more necessary than anything else, but just a little bit a little bit I don't know, unfortunate, a little bit uh strange that that this thing that was so integral to some games is just gonna be gone now that's what i was thinking because i me versus a social network yeah it sucked and i didn't like it but there's some games that like have features that are so closely tied to it that it's kind of crazy like i didn't even think about it you know like the mario versus donkey kong game you can't even share levels like anymore it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> what's uh, and also, like, Mario... I guess there are some games that mask me versus features very well. And that were actually really cool. Like, Mario Maker, I think, was one where the features of Miiverse were used, I think, to its full potential. Or they use it in world-building ways, like in um, Splatoon. And it it's just weird that, like, when I play that game from now on, it's like, part of it's missing. It's not originally what it was. And I think from a at least from a like preserving video games perspective, it's just really weird. It's like at least it's not like you know, like that PlayStation 3 game Mag, where they just took the servers off and because it was a multiplayer only game, it's just won't run anymore. <laughs> Someone right. paid sixty dollars for that game and now it's it <laughs> They just can't play it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a really interesting point that you that you make with game preservation. That's that's an integral. I I am in some communities who do emulation specifically for game preservation, and of course, this is you know N sixty four games or and younger you know, around that era. But in, you know, 
25, 30 years when people are interested in preserving their, you know, their, their PS3, you know, their Wii U games, it's going to be that much harder to do so and to replicate what the original product was. I'm pretty sure someone will get a fan server running or something like that. Hmm. Somewhat replicate it. It'll be maybe pretty hard though. Um, that's. I don't think we have any additional thoughts on that, and that pretty much wraps up the stuff that we had written down. Um, I guess any closing thoughts, like, um, like my closing thoughts for this podcast are: geez, what a downer episode for a, <laughs> a triumphant return. <laughs> it's actually a pretty sad episode. It started off happy and it kind of just like went to depressing town. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. When you're when you're gone for a month and uh, you come out of cryostasis, it's it's it can be difficult to get back to to the good times. You know. You know, uh, you. I don't. I know you're probably not gonna watch the May cinematic that came out. This is reminding me of that. It's like waking up from cryostasis and realizing that all the things that you might have not known that you loved before are all dead. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here, folks. First, folks. Valve is dead. That should, that should be the, uh, the, the title for this podcast. Valve is dead. You know no, it's a question mark. Valve is dead. It's like, yeah. Clickbait. Yeah. You know what? I I think I might as well do that. I might as well throw in <laughs> me versus no. I have a better one. Me versus dead is Valve next question mark. <laughs> Fantastic. We have we have <laughs> our title, folks. Not there it is. You heard it here first. Um, yeah. So I guess I want to. I've actually I wanted to also take this moment to say thank you for our listeners. For this podcast, um, even though a lot of you are my close friends, uh, hearing hearing you guys tell me about how much you like listening to it made me want to made me want to get back into this again, and I wanted to thank you guys for that. Um, hopefully, there's more news coming out. Uh, honestly, a big reason why we didn't do anything is because even though Gamescom did happen, not a lot of interesting things <laughs> were happening in the gaming world to be honest um but fingers crossed knocking on wood we'll uh we'll keep going unless we got to go back into cryostasis again <laughs> for some weird reason yeah. i would prefer not to go back into cryostasis <laughs> i want some weird wanna stuff that happens there <laughs> yeah all right on that note, uh, thank you guys for listening to the this episode of the Turbo Button Podcast. Um, Chris, uh, you want to let people know where they can reach you, that sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, first of all, you can reach me at RetroFitoLeon at Twitter. That's the word retro. F-I-T-O-L-E-O-N. All one word. Um, you can also find my blog at retrofitoleon.wordpress.com I write about games, review games, uh, write about 
game culture, uh, games journalism, and the industry at large. So, look forward to that. Nice. And I am Zachary Hart, um, computer science graduate, or computer game science graduate from UCI. Um, you can tweet at me at uh, at the Zaxinator, capital T-H-E, capital Z-A-X-X-O-N-A-T-O-R. Um, uh, give me a welcome back meme, and I'll, I'll give you a thank you meme. I've, Ooh, uh, I like I'll that. I'll give you thank you. This is specific. Um, this probably will only work for, like, maybe the week that we are, uh, <laughs> this takes place and the next episode. I will say that I'm proud that every fan who has tweeted me, I have tweeted back a meme. Whether or not the meme is a quality or dank meme is up for debate, could, but... Could be a dry meme, could be a dank meme, but it's a meme nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, meme nonetheless. Um... <laughs> So anyway, thank you for watching, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Back into the cryostasis pod. Just kidding. No, we'll see you later. please, no. Bye. <laughs>